started this on Good Friday, concluding it today. And the title is, How Good Friday and Easter Link Together, Divine Grace and Divine Judgment. And the text we were looking at and we'll go back to today is Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. Acts 17, 30 and 31. Can you see that up there? Let's read it together, okay? Out loud. I have to say that because if you just read it silently, it, it won't. It'll lose something. The times of ignorance God overlooked... But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we look into your word. You said it had power to sanctify It has power to protect and guard our minds and hearts. A lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. And so I pray that this Easter Sunday, the risen Christ by his spirit will quicken truth to our hearts. And make us humble enough, teachable enough, receptive enough so that it brings forth fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold in our lives. Thank you for doing this. Amen. I said Good Friday, there's an application of the resurrection of Jesus that doesn't just have to do with those who believe in him or those who follow him or those who honor him. There's a significance to the resurrection of Jesus that has to do with absolutely everybody. It has to do with Christians, and it has to do with non-Christians. It has to do with believers, it has to do with atheists. It's stated in that text that the resurrection of Jesus Christ establishes him as the future judge of all mankind. He, that's Jesus, will judge the world by a man whom he has appointed. So there's been this appointment of Christ as the future judge. And, and he has given assurance. He, Father God, has given assurance to all by raising him, God the Son, from the dead. So Jesus Christ, God the Son is the appointed. He is the selected future judge of everyone who has ever lived. Jews, Christians, Muslims, atheists, agnostics, passionate, indifferent. This is established by his resurrection from the dead. I said on Good Friday that there were two questions that we wanted to look at that kind of bubble up out of this text in Acts. First question was, why is Jesus the one to judge the world? That's what we looked at on Good Friday. Why not one of the other members of the Trinity? Why not Father God? Why not the Holy Spirit? Why is Jesus Christ the one to whom judgment is committed? And we looked at a couple of answers to that. 
Christ has appointed our judge because he became one of us and he died for our sins. It's a beautiful revelation of God's mercy that the one who will judge me on the last day is the one who shed his blood to redeem me. And I said, if your judge is your enemy, you're in big trouble. If your judge is your redeemer, it's completely different. Then we said Christ is appointed as judge as a suitable result to his suffering and humiliation. He's been given a name, Philippians 2, because of he, he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, became obedient unto death. And it's in light of all that that the Father has exalted him, given him a name that at every, every knee would bow and every tongue confess. We sang about that. Jesus Christ thirdly, is appointed as judge that he might put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy is death. And the point we made there is Christ's resurrected body is the first point, the first tiny point in this whole universe where the new creation is made visible. One day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible moves from creation to Decreation, sin and the fall. Redemption of creation through the Old and New Testament plan. And new creation. When Jesus comes again, bodies raised, new heaven, new earth. And we said on Good Friday that it's fitting that the very first point of the new creation, the resurrected body of Jesus, will have the role of conquering the last enemy in the old creation death then I said there was a second question that we'd look at on Easter Sunday and here we are what is the significance of this fact what what does it mean to us that God is going to judge the world by his son Jesus Christ what 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 are we called upon to do now that is different Now that Christ is risen and designated the judge of the universe. So Good Friday dealt with question number one. Today we pick up a point number two. If the resurrection establishes publicly that Jesus Christ will be the judge of the entire world, what's the significance of that fact? I see several things. A. Because... Christ is risen. The days of ignorance about how to reach God are past. It's in our text, but you just have to back up a little bit. If you're in Acts 17, if you have, I hope you have a Bible open in some form or another, you just back up to verse 22. Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens... I perceive that in every way you are very religious. And you'd think that would be enough. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription. Quotes, to the unknown God, whoever he or she is. What therefore you worship is unknown... 
This I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, being that he made everything, Paul says. He, he doesn't live in temples made by people. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Having, having determined allotted periods, so the flow of history. The boundaries of their dwelling place. That they should seek God and hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. He's actually not far from each one of us for, then he quotes, in him we live and move and have our being even as some of your own poets have said. Quote again, for we indeed are his offspring. It was interesting. I saw a, a talk show where Oprah said that was her favorite verse. Her favorite quote from the Bible is, in him we live and move and have our being. And I immediately said to Rini, interesting, she picks the one quote that the Bible says is from a secular source. Twenty-nine. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. And now here we come. Thirty. The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now, he commands all men everywhere, all people everywhere to repent. And you can't help, you read, you read, you read, and then you come to verse 30, and there's just that feeling of, but now. So, so something has happened. We're meant to see this contrast in verse 30. And the contrast is between the times of ignorance. People fumbled around trying to imagine what God might be like, uh, they looked at the stars, they looked at the moon, uh, they made idols, they, they tried to figure out some way of maybe approaching God, what he might demand of us, what he might want from us, times of ignorance. And, and then Paul says, okay, the days of ignorance are done. There were times before the resurrection of Christ... And there's the time now after Christ is risen. You'll notice the way Paul calls those times before resurrection of Jesus. He calls them times of ignorance, verse 30. He doesn't mean that the people were less intelligent. He means these were days of a limited access. A diminished picture a less complete revelation. There were still evidences of God's power and might and goodness, the way Romans 1 teaches, enough for, to make it inexcusable for people not to see there's a great God, a mighty God, a creating God, a wise God, a powerful God. But our text makes clear that the, the days of pretending to search for an unknown God, that's that 23rd verse. 
It's an illegitimate agnosticism now that Christ has risen from the dead. Pretending to search for an unknown God like you can't know anymore is no longer an honest option. It's striking. So before Christ rose from the grave, judged, God judged people by the revelation they had received through the outer world of creation, the inner witness of conscience. Romans 1 2 are very clear on all of that. It's not the study this morning. People were still sinners because they never even lived up to the revelation they had of God. Paul's very clear on that. Romans 1 and 2. But, but in our text here, Paul says that the times have been split in two now by the resurrection of Christ. So the resurrection creates a before and an after in God's dealing with the human race. When, when the stone rolled away from Jesus' tomb, when the stone shifted, so did the moral center of gravity of the whole world in terms of its approach to God and in terms of its accountability before God. God has been revealed in a way he had never been revealed before. The truth claims of Jesus Christ have all been verified. He didn't just say he was the resurrection and the life. He rose from the dead. Because of this, the bar of judgment and the bar of responsibility has been raised. So that's the first thing. It leads to a second thing we need to know about the resurrection and its meaning for everyone in the world today. B, because Jesus is risen, these are days when all people everywhere must repent. You can see it in that 30th verse. This is God, and here's what he does. There's the verb. Look for verbs. He commands all people everywhere. You think he'd just say all people, but he wants to be clearer than that. Not just all people, but all people everywhere. So that covers just about everybody. Everybody in every place, he says. So, so what he wants to make clear is this message, the one we're studying this morning. Paul says, I want to make it clear to you that this idea of Jesus and his resurrection isn't just for kind of like evangelicals. All people everywhere means this is for Christians, this is for Muslims, this is for Jews, this is for atheists, this is for people who are devout in some other religion, this is for people who couldn't care beans about any religion, this is for people who believe in God, this is for people who don't believe in God. That's what it means, right? All people everywhere. What do they have to do? They have to repent. Why? Because God's appointed through the resurrection, Jesus Christ. So, Paul doesn't just come to these people sincerely worshiping their idols and say, well, they're, isn't it nice that they're sincere? I mean, who am I to say one religion's better than another? After all, they are searching for God. Let's just 
Give them time. Let them be. No. No. That totally misses, totally misses the point that Paul is making in this passage. Paul is saying that God will no longer pass over that kind of misguided religious expression. God is now, since Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he's calling all people everywhere to repent of their stubborn unbelief. Father God has established proof. He's, he's uh, given assurance, it says in verse 31, by raising Christ from the dead. I hope you see what the point here is. He's saying, it is foolish and it is wicked to direct your worship in any direction other than the risen Christ. Don't be making idols. I don't care what you call them. I don't care what you write on them. Known, unknown. Stocks, mutual funds, land. God has revealed himself so completely and so compellingly in the resurrection of Christ. So what are these days? These are days of repentance. That's what these days are. These are days for embracing the risen Christ. At least to the third point, the last point. Because Jesus Christ is now risen, these are days when people must presently reckon with his judgment over all the earth when he comes again. It's in 31. He has fixed a day on which... He will judge the world, the whole world, in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And he has given assurance. There's that phrase, given assurance. You don't have to guess about this. You don't have to believe Pastor Don. There's an empty tomb. Given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So... If we are going to be judged by Jesus, we, we need to come to terms with the authority of Jesus. The, the present lordship of Jesus is the standard by which all lives are going to be eternally assessed, judged, measured. So, so that my devotion to him matters more then my devotion to anything else. My, my commitment to him means more than my commitment to anything else. My love for him means more than, and this gets close to home for us, my love for other things and anything else. In other words, there's an urgent compulsion to Easter. It's not just jumping up and down and saying, whoopee, he's risen. There's a compulsion to allowing Jesus the right to order my life, my complete life, right now, regardless of the degree to which it will be inconvenient or I will be called intolerant. 
This is what makes the lordship of Jesus a compulsion. Let me just dwell on this for a second. There's a difference between authority and instruction. And if you listen to people in the media commenting on Jesus and what they admire about Jesus, it is always his instruction, not his authority. You know, he's, he taught us to love one another. Jesus taught us to, to care for the poor, he said. It's better to give than to receive. You're not going to find anybody disagreeing with any of that stuff. They love it. That's instruction. You can tell me how to tie my shoes. That's instruction. I may or may not listen to you. I may or may not be able to actually tie my shoes when the instruction is done, depending on how bright I am. Have you ever sat down with a three-year-old and tried to show them how to tie their shoes? It's not an easy process. It's a lot to think about. So you've given me the instruction. Depending on me, I may listen, I may not. I may be able to do it, I may not. What I do with that instruction is, well, it's up to me. Let me show you a different kind of situation. The government tells you you must pay your taxes. That's compulsion, not instruction. If I don't pay my taxes, there will be consequences. That's because behind the instruction is more than just a classroom. Behind the instruction is an authority. The authority is what separates the law from advice. You can ignore advice, but there's consequences to ignoring the law. There's a church, I won't say what church, and I have nothing against it whatsoever except that I drive by on the way home and I see on the sign, need a second opinion? Pray. Seriously? <laughs> so God goes, well, I know you're consulting me. My personal opinion is you shouldn't commit adultery, but that's just me. God doesn't give opinions on anything. Nor does Jesus. He said, all authority has been given unto me. It's not advice. So when the Bible says Jesus will judge the world when he comes again, it tells me something very important about the authority Jesus is to have in my life right now. Everyone, everywhere, needs to respond repentantly because we have a hard time, even we who know better, giving proper weight to Jesus Christ. God has given assurance, 1731, that Jesus is the judge of the world. He proved it by raising him from the dead. So here we sit. You know the event of Easter. And it's important that you know the event. Here's, here's the meaning 
of the event of Easter for your life right now. And you won't get this message. You won't get it from the Globe and Mail. You won't get it from the Toronto Star. You won't get it from Maclean's or Time or Newsweek or usually from CBC or CNN or Fox News or wherever you get your news. They will talk about the event. Rarely will they talk about the meaning. Repent. The resurrection of Jesus relates directly to the meaning of our lives until we breathe our last. The days of ignorance are over. The days of a legitimate agnosticism are over. The days of repentance are here. We know better. Jesus will judge the world in righteousness when he comes. So, so the resurrection of Jesus, his coming out of the tomb, it means there's no opportunity for pretending we don't know better. It won't work. It means non-repentance is culpable. Non-belief isn't just intellectual. It's judgeable. Personal accountability has increased exponentially since the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Here's what I pray will be your response to that judgment Paul says, 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Look what he says here. It's the same thing. Which the Lord, look what he calls Jesus. Which the Lord, the righteous, say it. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, To all who love his appearing. The, the events surrounding the end of Christ's life are all interrelated. His, his, his death. Why, why does he die? And he says, the Lamb of God. His resurrection, I dealt with Good Friday. How do we know we're forgiven? To what do we look? Peace of mind? No. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus conquers death in his resurrection. So I know sin is forgiven. Objectively, not subjectively. He rose from the dead. Well, where is he? Well, the resurrection is tied to the ascension. And the disciples stand and they see Jesus ascend into heaven. And they hear the angel say, he's going to come in the same way you saw him go. Okay? And when he comes again, he is the appointed judge. You will stand before Jesus. You may miss a lot of appointments in life. You will not miss this one. You will stand before Jesus Christ. And I love that verse from Paul looking for a crown of righteousness and not be ashamed when Jesus comes back to rule and reign in glory. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for that day. Pick the best day you've ever had 
and it's a dull shadow. Can you imagine eternity, eternity with nothing but delight that never ends? Not for everyone. I'm not sure. I've seen various quotes about what the Pope said, and I'm not sure which way it's gone. I've seen his statement about not being any hell in terms of everlasting damnation, and I've seen other quotes that perhaps he didn't actually say it. So I'm not passing sentence on it. I'm just saying if that were said, he's absolutely wrong. And the one who died on the cross, who rose again, is coming again to rule and reign and judge, that person, Jesus Christ, talked more about eternal damnation in hell than any other personality in the New Testament. Like, you gotta, you got to work that through somehow. So a lot hinges on the authority of Jesus. Let's pray.